De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today. Yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell, and today we're going to talk about the collaboration of RevTech and buying group marketing. Joining us is Joe McNeil, who is the Chief Revenue Officer of Influ2, which is a person-based advertising platform for B2B companies that is purpose-built for B2B marketers who want to amplify their enterprise reach and revenue. So far this week, Joe and I have talked about synergies between RevTech and buying group marketing. And today, we're going to wrap up our conversation by talking about improving the customer experience through sales and marketing alignment. Okay, here's my conversation with Joe McNeil, the Chief Revenue Officer at Influ2. Joe, welcome back to the podcast. Great to be back. So what's your take on how we're creating a goodish prospect experience right now? In other words, Joe, what's your evaluation? We're in the same biz, right? B2B SaaS. And our job is to create lots and lots and lots and lots of revenue for our investors. Okay. So there's a mad rush to go generate pipeline. And obviously underlying my question is the sense that maybe we're not doing a great job on the prospect experience side. What's your sense, Joe? Yeah, I think that's that can be accurate for sure. You know, part of the challenge is we try to set the stage for how the prospect should buy rather than looking at where do our best customers come from and how do we support that more often? How do we make that easier for them? How do we make it easier for customers to buy? And how do, how do we expand that funnel? So I think at times we're trying to impose our will on our prospects a little more than, than helping them make good buying decisions. Yeah, and I feel like we had a good conversation yesterday and we sort of talked about one of those first steps to creating better customer experiences, which is to begin understanding that we're selling to people, that there are other people that are dependent on that sale, a buying group, a demand unit, and that quite often the bridge to having those better engagements is through technology and improving your rev tech stack over time. But today what we're really talking about is the experience itself. We're kind of skipping past the methodology. We're sort of skipping past the tech. And we're saying at the heart of it, Sales and marketing alignment is the determinant of at least a better customer experience. So we have to take a flip of that, of course, Joe. So the flip side is when we create a poor customer experience, what are some examples of situations where you've seen either your business or your customers' businesses creating poor customer experiences because of that misalignment? Yeah, I think it starts with making very definitive decisions as an organization. And one decision that is tough for some companies is, not just who is our ideal customer and who should we target, but who is not our ideal customer and who is not a good fit for us. And I think, you know, a lot of companies as they're chasing these growth goals are Doug comes in and says, you know, Hey, who are you guys? And, and the response is, who do you want us to be? Right. Instead of, you know, giving clear information on here's who we support and how we support them to help you make a decision if this is a fit for your business. 
Right. And so what we're talking about, we, we talked a bit yesterday, too, and we, we went through it quickly because it is its own podcast, probably its own show, if you will. But we talked about how important ICP is a starting point before you even think about, I'm going to bring an intent data, I'm going to bring in an advertising platform, what am I doing? Getting your ICP right. What we're talking about as well is sort of in between is this idea of an acceptable customer profile, right? So people that are going to show up on the website, you're going to be like, you know what, based on the unit economics of this interaction, this makes sense for me, but I'm not going to go tackle these customers in the street. Then we've got UCP, which is what you're talking about, Joe, which is by the way, for most companies, the vast majority of the world is your UCP, right? It's 98% of all companies in the world are your UCP. Do you find folks are making the transition poorly? Because really, we're talking about maturity here. We're saying at some point, you figure out your product to market fit, and you understand your ICP well enough and your ACP to some point abandon your UCP. Do you find that folks struggle with abandoning that piece? Yeah, a little bit. I think it's just the the spreadsheets behind the business, right? It is sometimes, you know, who the market defines you as and who you want to be are a little bit different. And you get a, some companies get afraid to just go out there with a message of this is who we are and this is how we support you because they want to leave some room for movement and room for innovation. The problem is if you don't make a definition of who you are to the market, the market will define you themselves. And I think they might not define you how you want to be defined. So from my standpoint is I think the decision-making process for what's behind that and sort of the, the layers involved can be a little bit different. But I do think sometimes it's they just don't know what the right message is. And they're looking for those words. And sometimes is they get a little nervous about creating a fence around who they are because if they ever want to change, that becomes that becomes challenging. And really what we're talking about here is creating alignment between sales and marketing. And I imagine to improve the customer experience, but I imagine it's awfully hard to create a unified customer experience without that ICP, ACP, and UCP understanding. So it feels like that's step one to getting better alignment. What are some other things we can recommend in terms of making sure that alignment's occurring more regularly? It's not just a haphazard thing. It's actually built into the organization. I think the number one thing is is how how we set targets, right? There should never be a situation where Sales hit their target, marketing didn't, or marketing hit their target, sales didn't. I mean, they're, they're so closely connected that both groups need to be optimizing towards the same thing. And I think if you if you create these different targets where they have different definitions of what it means to win, then both groups optimize differently. And you know, I think a fun exercise is to walk around in an organization and just just ask them what's the lead, you know, sales definition, marketing's definition maybe the C-suite's definition and, you know, even outside the commercial organization's definition. And I think with a lot of organizations, you'd be a little shocked at the difference in answers there. So the fundamental connection point, and I agree here, Joe, is we're saying we have to have a set of common goals. And if we have those common goals, we're much more likely to be aligned. But we know that's also step two, if you will. Step one is understand your ICP, ACP, UCP. Step two is common goal sets. What's step three? What are the other things that we can do? So we're all on the same page. We're all singing Kumbaya together. What are some of the things we should be thinking about in terms of getting to alignment? Yeah, I, I think it's just the common understanding of what it means to win, right? And then you can back into common goals that matter. And, and if, if both the executives from sales and marketing and then the teams from there are, are marching to the same definition of what it means to win, I think there's just a lot more collaboration and everybody's working together on it doesn't matter how we get there, who is right, we just need to win. And you create that meritocracy between the groups and align them on, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to work together 
on what's working and what's not working and, and iterate. And if you can create that culture where everybody's iterating together and they're not necessarily worried about who's right or whose idea it was, they just all, everybody wants to win more than when they want to be right. I think that really helps. And, you know, the connection between the two teams and getting them working together is important. And you talked about common definitions and specifically talked about leads and understanding what leads are. And really what we're talking about is what are the signals that we think are really important, right? And so marketing would probably have a different definition of a lead. And what's behind this may be the importance of the lead, right? So let's take that lead journey, if you will, to see how everybody on the podcast today is doing in terms of evaluating where they are. So how should a marketing organization define a lead as a CRO? How would you ideally see a marketing organization defining a lead? Yeah, so a lead is the precursor to an opportunity, right? And I think, you know, some organizations have lead, then they have marketing qualified lead or sales qualified lead. I think a lead is sort of the precursor to a conversation that an opportunity is born from. And I've always had pretty loose definitions on, on leads in the sense that, you know, for me, if someone's going to schedule a call with a SDR and AE, it's, is this an account that we want to work with? Is this a persona that we typically work with? And does this persona have accurate expectations for what this call is going to be? And I think that third one is a big one because getting someone to show up for a call is different than getting someone to show up for a call that can't turn into an opportunity. You know, you see things like, hey, we're going to show you a, a free website review or we're going to do an advertising audit, right? And that, that's, that's not necessarily, a, hey, we're going to have a conversation about your customer acquisition process to see if we can offer value. So I think if everybody can align on what is this lead ready to discuss, that's a big piece of the puzzle that can help the revenue funnel and help the prospect experience for that sake. And I think, you know, one of the heuristics that I've seen, Joe, and I'm curious to see where your head's at on this one, it's what is the kind of the central organizing principle for the revenue organization? And for me, I'm going to oversimplify this because it's a 20-minute show. You're either lead-based, you're account-based, or in some cases, we're seeing this idea of opportunity-based, meaning the metric that tends to be the most important that drives behavior in an organization Generally speaking, that tells me a certain level of sophistication. So if you're a lead-based, and by the way, if you're lead-based, I'm not saying you're not sophisticated, but if you're a lead-based, that tells me a ton of stuff about you. That tells me very likely that you are more transactionally oriented, meaning your average deal size is smaller. And what I mean by that is that your lead is closer to revenue than with a bigger deal cycle. Because as we know, Joe, if you get a lead from IBM, which employs, I think, 120,000 people, that doesn't mean you have a deal with IBM. The distance between that lead and revenue is quite large. So if I see a lead base, I go, probably a low price point. But then ends, what ends up happening is, if you're getting to account-based, I'm saying, oh my gosh, there's probably a higher price point. And opportunity-based, higher price point still, right? I think what's happening, and I'm experienced as a customer, is that quite often organizations are not making that transition. In other words, they're lead-based, and the sales organization is saving marketing because they get an indication that there's a deal, they take that lead and what do they do? They call and they get four or five more contacts. Then they spend time in discovery and they spend time with demos, et cetera, et cetera, iterating to the point that there's actually an opportunity, something there to grab a hold of. And I'm curious, do you also see this out in the market? In other words, folks that are lead-based out of habit, but unwilling to make that change because frankly, they don't know any better. Yeah, I, I think so. And it really, you know, 
depends on what their definition of elite is, right? We talked about this a little bit, but there's such a wide breadth of, of definitions. You know, is it a form fill and hand raise? Is it a scored lead based on engagement? And is that engagement scoring model very specific and aligned throughout the group? Because I think everybody's seen the marketing organization that, hey, we're a little short on leads. We're going to lower our scoring threshold. And surprise, here we are. We hit our lead threshold. So, you know, I think there, there's a piece of that, right? And I think depending on the DNA of the organizations, you know, some of the most successful organizations out there right now are these product-led growth organizations, and they're very lead-focused, right? And that's not a wrong way to be. But I think, you know, the whole form-fill lead SaaS model is a little challenging right now just because it doesn't work as well as it used to. I think if you look at some of the most successful SaaS marketing organizations out there, let's say Gong, for example, they're still heavily outbound. The difference is, their marketing team does an outstanding job warming up the market for their outbound team. You know, if you're cold calling for Gong, it's not cold calling, right? It's not easy. So, so you know, I hope the Gong SDRs that hear that don't don't uh, perk up. It's not. It's never easy. But almost every VP of sales in the country is sub- subscribed to their blog, reads their content, views their brand favorably, right? So, I, th- I think from that standpoint, they have outstanding alignment between how they're supporting their sales team and what their revenue funnel looks like in terms of, you know, and from that end, it doesn't necessarily matter if they're opportunity-based or account-based or even lead-based. It's just the way they set up the structure to support their prospects is very successful. Yeah, I think, and that's such an excellent, excellent point. We can't oversimplify our evaluation or frankly, how others are evaluating organizations. And I think you nailed it. And this is really the thing I appreciate about CROs who get it, if you will, Joe, and I'm going to put you in that bucket. Congratulations. You're in the get it bucket. And that is at the end of the day, your job is to create a fantastic customer experience, prospect experience. And it's so funny to bring up Gong. I have to tell you, that's usually the organization I bring up typically to say, this is an example of an organization that's thinking about that prospect experience first. And as a result, and this is a brand new category, by the way, they've become a brand dominator in this category. And I would imagine they're going to be hard to shake because you and I and other people like us talk about what an amazing experience they create over time. Are there other organizations you would point to as sort of providing that hallmark or that benchmark for great customer and prospect experiences, Joe? Yeah, I think, you know, one in my space is Clary. I think they do a great job of of supporting the prospect and making decisions, right? They bring a lot of resources to the calls. They provide a lot of great content out there. I think Kyle Coleman is great on LinkedIn, if anybody follows him, just for bringing pragmatic information into market about what it means to be an SDR and, and, and how you work as an SDR and then supporting you know current events. Outreach is very good. They have a lot of information. They, they provide a lot of high-level thought leadership on sales enablement in their space. You know, their CEO's front and center and founders front and center in terms of, you know, talking about how the market's shifting and how organizations are, are, are changing. But they're, they're all just organizations that are very focused on providing value for their prospects and their customers. And it becomes easy at that point is creating a business case based off of the value you've created for your customers. It, it becomes easy to communicate that to prospects, but then you can communicate clearly where we fit or how they fit and let let prospects and customers make their decisions on, are we ready for this? I've learned a lot today, Joe. Really appreciate you spending some time with me on the podcast. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Doug. That wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Joe McNeil, Chief Revenue Officer at Influ2 for joining us. 
If you want to contact Joe or learn a bit more about him, you can find a LinkedIn profile link in our show notes or visit his company website at influ2.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, shame on you. Head over to RevGenPod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generated Podcast, or you can even share the Revenue Generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show, of course. You can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.